Welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, sponsored by Moda Fabrics. We have a terrific show filled with tips and tricks for you today. So let's get to it. Here's your host, Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and I'm just so excited to have a Moda Bake Shop designer uh with me today. Her name is Christine Weld of The Quarter Inch and Christine is a very active designer and she does a lot with, one of the things she does is a lot with the Moda Bake Shop so you've seen her projects including the current Barn Charm mini quilts. Christine, thank you for being here. Oh, I'm excited to talk with you, Pat. I think it's so funny that you just live like right down the road from me, like not like not within like a you know, have a coffee but close but not too far uh so christine what's your backstory do you have like quilt makers in your family my mother is a very talented seamstress but she is not a quilt maker um Mm. folks do not speak to her like they do to me um so (laughs) sewing was always very familiar to me Mm -hmm. um but i was not familiar with the process of quilt making um so when i was in my early 20s uh, i was a recent college graduate and um i just uh, decided to start learning, and I was uh, living in North Carolina at the time, and I signed up at my local quilt shop um, to take their basic quilt making class, and it was, looking back on it now, such a wonderfully taught class that went through the fundamentals in such a thorough and um, just gave me such a wonderful foundation for the hobby, so I feel very, very lucky. Isn't that cool when you look back and you realize, particularly when you're designing now, I've, I've had the same experience. My first quilt teacher was so thorough that as a designer, mm-hmm. I understand things because of being taught all that construction. Do you feel like that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, she had us doing triangles and flying geese in that very first quilt, which I don't think many beginner quilt classes do. And you know, there's a whole separate class on finishing right. and binding and all of that. So it was really a wonderful introduction to the hobby, and I'm so thankful that I had that foundation to work with. So when did you start designing your own patterns? What sort of motivated you to do that? Well, um, to be honest, I've uh, never met a pattern that I haven't changed, (laughs) (laughs) even that very, very first quilt. Yeah. Um, In that class, I added some blocks. I changed that border around. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All that tinkering. Um, kind of led me to start um, kind of taking it a couple steps further and start designing my own quilts since I was already kind of playing around with what I was given. So I've always really enjoyed the mathematical side of quilting and figuring out how the pieces fit together and the math of things. Um, so I got electric quilt. Oh, gosh, probably um, I started with electric quilt five, so uh, a few years back and started designing in that program, and then I uh, just treated myself to the upgrade. Um, but Electric Quilt 5 served me well for many years. Um, but now I have the spiffy new version, which is wonderful. Yeah, and, and the, it's a great tool. It lets people really uh, try a lot of possibilities. Um, and plus, with you doing so much with um, fabric, that you're going to then, you know, you're showcasing, it helps you because you can pull in those fabric images and test out your ideas. Oh, it's so wonderful. And um, just being able to see those different lines and bringing in those different fabrics, and you can just with the click of a button swap out fabrics 
and get a really good sense of how the finished product's going to look. It's such a wonderful tool to have. So when, um, when you started designing some projects to be featured at the Moda Bake Shop, what part of it uh, really keeps your interest? Because you've done quite a few. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love the flexibility that Moda gives us. Um, so basically, you know, we have the freedom and the creativity to um, design whatever we please. Um, so I've done a whole host of different types of projects. Um, my very first one was machine applique orange peels. Um, I've done, you know, the barn charm mini quilts. I've done a bed size quilt, mm-hmm. uh, baby quilts, um, solids, patterns. Um, just it's so much fun to play with the new fabrics and just explore and stretch my creativity. Um, so so many, when, just when, great. when you get ready to do a project with them, do you select some fabrics or do they know because you're kind of on their working team, do they just send you a box and say, what do you want to play with? How it works is that they like the fabric that's featured <clears throat> to be one that's coming out in the next month or so. Mm-hmm. So when you propose a project, you request um, three different fabric lines, kind of a first, second, and third choice. Mm. Um, generally, most of um, the fabrics I've requested, the first choice has been available. Uh, there's been one or two times when I've designed a, fab- a quilt with a specific fabric line in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I did one called Runway, where I used Janet Clare's. Uh, she did a um, oh. aviation-themed fabric line. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. So that one was specific to that fabric line. Mm -hmm. Um, So occasionally there'll be something like that where um, it's specifically made, but usually it's um, more broad than that, and any number of fabric designs could work in the project. So when you, you know, working with a particular fabric line has um, sort of, I wouldn't call it so much challenges, but it has criteria because, you know, you're not going to be adding in, you know, generally if you're showcasing one line, you're not trying to add in and mix up too much. How do you approach that as a designer with that sort of guideline? That's actually the part about working with pre-cuts that appeals to me. Um, I've definitely grown in that as the years have gone on, but initially um, I was not very confident selecting fabrics. Um, I didn't really have that design eye, mm-hmm. so I loved that I could pick up a pre-cut pack and these talented designers did that work for me. <laughs> it made it so much more comfortable for me mm-hmm. because I, I did a few quilts where I selected the fabrics my, on my own, and I was a little disappointed with the finished products because they didn't work together how I pictured in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just love that these fabrics work well together and they'll be large scale and small scale prints. Um, so that piece is really an advantage to me. Um, I do try in the projects I design to leave a little bit of wiggle room mm-hmm. so that, um, if one point of the line doesn't appeal that, um, you can, um, leave it out. Um, I also try to buy an extra fat quarter or two when I'm doing my own projects mm-hmm. so that I can, if there's a favorite print or for instance, a lot of times there's, a white tone on tone mm-hmm. and if you're using a white background perhaps that doesn't pop like you need so you can swap it out for a print in the line and that kind of makes your life a little easier to have that flexibility that's a great tip that's a great tip because the background you pick can really not work with a certain piece in the line so right and the other thing that's great about moda fabrics is the designers so many of their lines work so well together. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bonnie and Camille, for instance, their lines really tend to play so nicely together. So if you've had, you know, some leftover bits from a previous pre-cut pack, you know, you can throw in a few charm squares that you have left over. And that, you know, usually works out beautifully. Yeah. Yeah, it'll, it'll stretch you without having to actually pick something up if you've got a, other pieces from the same designer's line. Exactly, um, exactly. Yeah, very cool. So you do other things besides this. Um, you do a lot of charity work. What, um, yes. what are you currently working on? Uh, well, just today I was actually working on a block. Um, there was a call for blocks put out on Instagram um, for the Love Loud project in mm-hmm. support of LGBTQ youth. Um, so I was working on this rainbow heart block for that project. Um, but I find that it's just sewing blocks for these charitable causes is such a quick and easy way um, to do some sewing for good. Mm-hmm. You know, normally you just need to take an hour, go through your scrap bin, and you can put a block together, uh, send it off, and somebody's usually volunteer to do all the hard work mm-hmm. of putting together the quilt. And sometimes it's auctioned off for charity. Um, other times, um, it's a donation quilt for a cause. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite projects of late was the Blue Blocks projects. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a quilter on Instagram who is a police officer um, for her day job. And she came up with the idea to um, make quilts for the families of fallen police officers. Mm-hmm. And uh, my father was actually a lieutenant with the New York City Police Department for oh. growing up. So that actually, you know, spoke to me yes. uh, pretty strongly. So I made a few blocks to send off to her and then made a few more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just amazing to watch that project on Instagram take off. And she started it last summer. And the last I saw, she had enough blocks um, for, I think it was 150 quilts to make. Holy cow. So, What's the know, hashtag? And- What's the hashtag for that one? Because so, people have to find these things via the, that searching. Oh, yes. yep. Uh, so that's Blue RK Blocks, not Raspberry Kiss is the uh, block that she was using. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just loved watching so many people get involved and that project just snowball. And uh, just seeing all the support that she got for that project, um, yeah. it was pretty overwhelming to watch it take off. Yeah, that's a great one, and and that you have a personal, you know, history of work of your father being in the in the police force. That's just um, yep. that is so cool. We have about a minute. Uh, you know, I have my fun question. I want to ask you: When you travel, Christine, do you ever pick up anything sewing related? Oh, I have a fun one. Um, I actually was lucky enough to live in Italy for a few years. Um, my husband's in the army, and we were stationed there. And uh, we traveled around a good bit, including to Slovenia, which uh, isn't really on a lot of people's vacation list, but it's a beautiful country. Um, And we were exploring there and in their capital, um, we happened upon a market and I got just this beautiful sewing box, uh, beautifully constructed. It's that, you know, old style that opens up into tiered trays. Mm -hmm. Oh, how pretty. I I love it. And it's such a great reminder of that trip. That That is the coolest thing to pick up, something that you can then keep looking at and use. Um, what a good idea, Christine. This has been a wonderful visit. Thank you for being with me. Oh, thank you, Pat. It's been great talking to you. you know, everybody can visit Christine at thequarterinch.com. 
blogspot.com and you can find her on Instagram and search for some of the projects that she's working on. And then at the Moda Bake Shop, you can check out the uh the chef list and you'll see Christine there so that you can link over to her projects we're going to take a break and then we're going to be right back and talk about scraps Six issues of American Patchwork and Quilting a year delivered right to your door. Each issue is packed full of quilting patterns, how-to techniques, and tips and tricks from the editors and designers. And right now, we have a special deal for all of our podcast listeners. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash deal to subscribe and enter coupon code podcast at checkout to get 60% off your subscription. Find the link in our show notes. You don't want to miss out. Are you a good starter of projects, but not the best finisher? Have you amassed a large collection of UFOs or unfinished objects? Join our private Facebook group to be supported by a community of quilters all working to finish their projects. Search for the American Patrick and Quilting UFO Challenge on Facebook to get started. Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. Penny D'Amica's here, and she is the designer at Cabin in the Woods Quilters. She's a pattern maker, a teacher. Um, she does tons of videos. She has a template company, and I'm excited to find out what it's all about. Penny, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Pat. I'm excited. So do you have quilters in your family, Penny? I always like to find out where everybody starts. I actually didn't. Um, I had a quilt made for me. My grandmother had had some ladies at church make one for me um, when I was a kid. But while I had a lot of family members that knitted and crocheted and sewed a lot of things, none of them actually quilted. Well, well how did you get quilting then? Well, I think um, part of it, when my, the, the quilt that my grandmother had made for me started to fall apart, Mm-hmm. I really had a desire to want to learn how to fix it. Ah. And my boys, my boys were very young at the time, and I was looking for a hobby. And my mom had always tried to get me to sew quite unsuccessfully, <laughs> to sew clothes, <laughs> as mothers and daughters often do. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just found uh, that kind of sewing to just not be of any interest to me at that time. So I decided I wanted to learn to quilt. And she got so excited, I think it was two days later, she found a family friend that could teach us both, and we learned together. Oh, well, that's really neat. Um, did, did you love it right away? I did, actually. Um, I just thought it was awesome because for years when every time I wanted to do something, Mom, you know, she would drag me to the, the clothing pattern store and make me look through all these little books, and there were always zippers and buttons and curves and all that, so... Learning to quilt was, I don't know, it was like opening up a whole new world because it was all straight seams. It was easy. 
and I could I could do it. Mm-hmm. So that's what really uh, appealed to me. And of course, any simple pattern, you know, can be made to look even more um, exciting or more elaborate just simply by the choice of fabric. So I thought that was kind of cool. So when you started um, making quilts, did you start using a lot of fabrics? Because you're known now, at least that's how I sort of found you, for a lot of your scrap quilts, uh, which will use a lot of different fabrics. Oh, yeah. Well, when I first started, um, I was told by my instructor at the time, if you love it, buy three yards. Oh. And what I found was I, I had tons of three-yard pieces of fabric, and oh my there goodness. wasn't a lot of variation. I know. It's yeah. crazy. I still have some of those pieces. It's insane. <laughs> um, so I started getting, you know, when they started making a lot of pre-cut fat quarters and jelly rolls and things like that, and mm-hmm. then I would buy them and think, gosh, how am I going to turn this into something? I, I don't have three yards of it. It's hard to figure it out. Oh. Um, <laughs> but the scrap quilting really came about because, of all the projects, I'd made tons and tons and tons of projects, and she told me, save, save all your scraps, oh. and they just started to take over the sewing room. They got bigger. I had organized them different ways, and I think by the time I got to uh, developing the first of my scrap quilting books, I had, I think, three half-barrel planter-sized baskets of scraps, and I, I needed to do and throw it away. So right, I right. had to figure out a, a way to cut it and, and use it without uh, it being a big burden, without getting tired of doing all the cutting. And mm-hmm. so I started out with the scrap quilting books, and I loved it. I really, really loved it. And because it's so much easier to uh, match 15 different blues and find the one right blue. So I thought that was the best part about scrap quilting. That is a very um, sort of profound statement in a way, you know, because find, a lot of people get very fixated, don't they, Penny, on just the right color. Oh, absolutely. It's always fun in the class when I show them just simple auditioning with, say, a focus floral or a border print or something like that, and you can use so many different fabrics that you would never have expected to put in the same quilt. And I have a couple little parts in uh, some of my samples when I'm showing them where I say, look at those greens. I would never put those greens together, but I did, and it looks great. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I always tease them and tell them if they ever have trouble um, matching, you know, the fabric companies do their job of putting those little color dots on the bottoms of the fabric. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to get close. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and, and then I tell them, try, for example, with my scrap petal garden quilt, the latest iteration of that quilt has, I think, five different manufacturers, multiple different lines of color. It's really all about the color and to make sure that they use three or four different types of fabrics in the same color vein just so they can get the practice of mixing it up. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, when you are pulling, you know, you just gave like a whole lot of really great tips there, but when you're, you know, give me one more for when you actually are going to start with that bunch of scraps that you have is it easier to have like all the blues together uh or do you sort of approach it a different way no well it it depends on the type of quilt you're making but usually what i do is i put all of the scraps in piles of color so i actually have little tiny dollar store laundry baskets tiny little Mm -hmm. laundry baskets and i put them all in those baskets so i have one for teal and one for blue and one for green. Mm. And then when we audition, um, what I'll 
what I mean by auditioning is I tell them to take a, a focus floral or a border print or something, lay it out on the cutting table, dump out a color of scraps, and I tell them they can only take out what screams. Uh, so <laughs> if the fabric just screams loud, you can pull it out. And if you're not sure, you have to leave it in. It's mm-hmm. kind of a rule. Right. And, um, and, then, and you can't make a lot of decisions. Like, you have to make your decision super quick within a couple mm-hmm. seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you get all that variation. So I usually start with simple colors. I'll pick a few colors, and it, it usually grows past that. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I do start with everything mixed by color. So you eventually uh, decided that, you know, you would develop some tools. What kind of tools did you find missing and that you, you know, you decided to have done? Well, the funny part is, is that I didn't find there to be missing tools. Oh. Um, I thought anybody used those, you know, you have the same types of rulers, your 60-degree, your 45-degree triangle, mm-hmm. your, you know, your split, everybody has those tools. There was one particular ruler. It was a diamond, actually a very big, long diamond that I had used to make one of the quilts in my book. And unfortunately, this happens on occasion when you use tools that are made by another manufacturer or another designer. They, mm-hmm. they don't make them anymore. Uh. And so this was one of those ones where it existed, but it kind of disappeared or it was really hard to get. Mm-hmm. And I own another company as well. My husband and I own an engineering consulting firm. And we happen to have a laser cutter, which is not something most people have lying around. Um, and he said to me, when I went to a class, I said, you know, I'm very frustrated. Everybody wants these rulers, and they want me to have them available for sale, and they don't exist anymore. And he said, you have a laser cutter. Make your own. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of how it, it evolved. I really only did it to start to have a few or maybe two or three for sale in case a customer wanted to make that particular quilt. Mm-hmm. And they got really excited about the quality of the tools. Um, everything that I do, it's, they're usually not rulers. They're mostly templates. Okay. And I decided, uh, because I like things that are multipurpose, that I would make everything out of quarter of an inch plastic, which is much thicker than a standard template. Okay. So you could use it with your uh, ruler foot on your long arm or your mid arm or your domestic sewing machine, and you could mm. use them for quilting or you could use them for cutting or whatever it is that you wanted to do. And so the customers started loving it. They're like, these are much thicker and they're more sturdy, and you know, you take so much care into figuring out how we can use them for multiple multiple purposes. It kind of took off from there, and you know, with it. With the scrap quilting books, more shapes became popular. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing the nested petal, which is the one you were speaking about, the scrap petal garden quilt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I make it nested, so they have a couple different sizes. I create lots of different patterns to make with the same template. Um, we're now doing the outer curve, so um, we can do it for a beginner uh curved piece in class and a beginner uh, foundation piece in class. And so we, your tools are always going to be used over and over. And so everything that we make is multiple purpose. And that's what I really like about it is being able to create something that's a prototype, be able to use it right away and refine it and really hear the feedback from the people about what they like about it and what they don't like about it. Well, that's really neat, you know, that you uh, sort of found a, a niche with the the templates, and you then design now to showcase them, I take it. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you always have to show people, you know, you get a template, and especially if they're sort of single, appear to be single purpose, it's nice when the designer has a ton of ways that you can actually use that. Um, oh, it, it's really fun. And with scrap clothing especially, the good part about it is I'm a very collaborative designer. So if I think another designer or another manufacturer has an awesome tool, I try to talk about that as well. And mm-hmm. you can use those types of things in scrap quilting as well. You don't have to stick to the original purpose with that tool. So, I mean, if it's a great tool, let's use it. And let's figure out how we can use it lots of different ways. And it, it just makes it more versatile for the customer. Yeah, your classes must be very fun, Penny. You must have uh, a lot of activities. Has anything funny ever happened in one of your classes, you know, like that you could tell us? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Um, so I do teach a lot of scrap quilting, and you know the, the subtitle of my book is Making a Masterpiece from Your Scraps. Mm. So because I don't know what your <laughs> scraps are or what you consider a masterpiece, it can get, you know, it can get really crazy in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we play a lot, and I'm not a modern quilter really by trade. I think it's, I'm in awe of all the negative space that modern, quilt, modern quilters can see that mm-hmm. I don't see always. So I did a class for a modern quilt guild. Mm-hmm. And at the time I had the tumblers came out, they were really popular. I have like four different sizes of tumblers. And one of the ladies in the class decided she was going to use all the tumblers, all the oh. sizes and make all the blocks and just have a great time with it. And she was going to figure out, I was so excited because I'm thinking, gosh, she's probably just an amazing designer. I can't wait to see how she's going to mix all these sizes up. Uh-huh. And it was probably a couple <laughs> hours in the class when she came to me and she goes, I have a question. How am I going to get all these tumblers to fit together? And I said, I, I don't know. <laughs> I thought you knew. So I was, I was really excited to see what she came up with. We just looked at each other and I, I don't know. We were at a standstill. We had a good laugh about it, but I was so excited. I thought she knew what she was doing. And it taught me a little bit about customers going off script in classes. You have to, you have to maintain a little order sometimes. Oh, oh, my goodness. That would be a riot. It's like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, did she ever send you a photo of a finished project? Um, she does communicate with me occasionally. I've never seen the finished Tumblr quilt. So I I'm, oh. I'm, <laughs> hope it's not in a box somewhere because most of my customers do finish something. Uh-huh. Sometimes it's years later, but I love the fact that they feel comfortable that they can finish something. So that's really important to me in class that there's no unfinished products in your closet somewhere. Right. That's a that's a good thought. You know, I would I don't live by that rule personally yet, but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we all have projects unfinished, I'm sure. <laughs> I know, I know. It is crazy. Penny, this has been so much fun to hear about your projects and your templates. I'm gonna have to try some of those. Awesome. Well we're here for you. Any Okay, I will check it out. Everybody can visit you at cabininthewoodsquilters.com. We're going to be back right after the break. I'm Jody Sanders, Group Editor of American Patchwork and Quilting, and I'd like to invite you to join me in making pillowcases to make a difference. 
For people who love to sew or quilt, it's so easy to lift spirits and bring smiles to hospitalized kids, homeless families, and others who are in need. Simply join American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine's One Million Pillowcase Challenge. Make one, two, or more pillowcases and donate them in your local community. You will make a difference with every pillowcase that you donate. Join the movement today. Find complete details, download free patterns, and record your donations online at allpeoplequilt.com slash million pillowcase. Join the annual American Patchwork and Quilting Quilt Along, along with thousands of other quilters. Visit allpeoplequilt.com slash quilt along to choose your favorite project and get the pattern. Then get sewing. Share photos of your progress on social media using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun. Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. It's so exciting to meet uh, new designers for me. I just like to go out and see who is doing something new and fresh and who really, really catches my eye. Megan Buchanan of Then Came June is one of those people. I saw her work, and I was like, I need to know a little bit more. Uh, she's a fairly young business, but I would call it a fairly mighty business. She's really uh, knocking it out of the park as far as my eye is concerned and what I like to look at. So, Megan, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me on, Pat. So your business is fairly young, um, just a couple of years? Yeah, um, I have, I taught myself how to quilt from an online tutorial like three years ago, oh. <laughs> and then kind of did, yeah, just a little bit of time ago, <laughs> um, and did some custom work, just kind of wanting to, you know, make baby quilts and get better, and then mm-hmm. my pattern business is what I focus on now, and that's not even a year and a half old. Yeah. You know, when you first started, did you did you love sewing? Did you sew before and you just taught yourself to quilt or were you teaching yourself everything? Um, I had done, I think I did like home ec in school and learned how to sew a pillow uh, in a straight line. But yeah, (laughs) but I pretty much it took me almost like six months to remember how to thread my bobbin every time. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, you come from a background, uh, you have a business background, your background is merchandising, um, and how do you, how do you see that playing into the quilts that you're making? Is, do you think that that plays at all? Yeah, I think, you know, kind of when I went to school for merchandising, all I knew is I actually loved interiors, like, mm. uh, plates and glasses, napkins, anything that makes the home feel warm. Um, and so I think it was kind of a good merriment of liking that design aesthetic and always wanting to decorate homes, but also having business as one part of it. And so I think it's like a really good combination that now I'm actually still being creative and creating something that can be a tangible product at home. But then also I have like the business math side with quilt math, which I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, and, you know, I can really see when people have a certain kind of background, like when I look at their work, I can say there's, there's something else coming into play here that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it does just shine through for people. And yours is like that. You do have beautiful photography and styling and, you know, if you, Thank that's, you. The, that's the part you love. So you're just 
yeah. kind of making your whole package. Uh, now, your your company, your name is Megan, but your company name is Then Came June. How did you? Yeah. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the whole point or the whole reason I made a quilt in the first place was I had a son. Um, Everett in 2014, and he was born June 12th. He'll be four next week, which is crazy town. Um, but I wanted my business name to kind of have a meaning, not just like a random like flower name or something. And so mm-hmm. that's why my life changed, and I found this new passion. Then came June when I had my son. So oh. that's kind of the background behind it. Yeah. Oh, that is really neat. That I just love hearing where somebody's sort of passion comes through in actually how they name things. Uh, So, Megan, tell me a little bit about your designs, because one of the things that really drew me to looking at your work was what I see is like a a really intriguing uh, balance of color. Uh, You like to make quilts that are modern. Most people would look at them and Mm -hmm. say they're a modern style quilt, although uh, there are elements in them that are, are... you know, we'll speak to traditional people. Uh, mm-hmm. What what do you look at when you're trying to balance colors? Um, that's a good question. I've always loved playing with color. And when I'm looking to balance color, for the most part, uh, my patterns and my style, I like to play with movement for one. And I think, like, something that plays and complements it really well is depth. So depth of color or depth of a palette. So that could be a true gradient, you know, just kind of finding that one blue and then kind of going along the scale so you have a very true gradient. Mm -hmm. But I think what can be cool with playing with depth is you can pick, you know, your one inspiration color or fabric and then pick a couple things or a couple um, colors within that that kind of help support that inspiration. But Mm -hmm. then you add the depth by taking those couple supplementary colors and then not even just doing a true gradient, but you can even go a little warm on one side and a little cool on another. So you could have, uh, you know, like a ballet pink and then a coral and then maybe a blush pink. And so they're all within the same um, color kind of arena, but it gives mm-hmm. you depth that it, it's not a true gradient. So I think that can be really fun. And I like to play with that a lot. And I think people can see that at your website when they look at the quilts. I mean, I'm looking at the stripe crossing, which almost has those, um, you know, ballet pink and the corals in Mm -hmm. it, you know, that you're talking about as an example and the blues uh, change. So, yeah, that just is so effective. It's a different way of thinking. It's not how I think when I work. And I just find it so, you know, so interesting. I'd like to, someday I have to play like that, maybe. Again, I just need to <laughs> come over. We'll play. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things you do is that you have uh, sort of a variety of styles. I would call it a variety of styles because you have things like the one I just mentioned, the stripe. But then you also have your adorable ghosts. It's a repeat block. You yeah. have <laughs> super cool holly. You've got a, a heart bubble. You know. When you're mm-hmm. thinking about those sort of imagey based items where you can actually, you know, like a ghost, what inspires those? That's a, So that's a really, what you're talking about is the modern holiday quilt collection. And I actually partnered with the other, another designer, Lindsay Neal of Pen and Paper Patterns. And I've always admired her style of being able to take like an inanimate object and suddenly turn it into a super cute pattern. Oh. I'm always like, how do you do it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so we wanted to do that holiday 
vibe that's like a modern repeat block so anyone can sew it. And because most of the time, you know, when at least my view is when people want to do a holiday pattern, it's like all the cute lines come out or you realize, oh, shoot, the holiday's three weeks away, but I'd love to whip out a top, you know. Mm-hmm. And so with the ghost quilt, there's a ton of cute pumpkin patterns, but my son actually came home from preschool last fall with this really cute, just simple ghost cut out, and, you know, he glued two, like, Google eyes on it mm-hmm. and made a mouse. And I saw that, and I was like, I want to make a ghost pattern. I don't feel like uh, I've seen much of yeah. any of that. Um, and so that's kind of how I came up. But so, Lindsay, it was awesome because she could really help me kind of streamline some of the construction or to snowball something instead of making a half square triangle. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was actually a really fun collaboration. And I was completely inspired by Lindsay to be like, I'm going to push myself and make this really cute, real life looking thing instead of just an overall design. Yeah, it is darling. And that's, um, you know, one of the ones I thought, oh, that is so cute. Such a fun way to work with somebody else too to collaborate. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, you know, you've, um, since you're designing your business portion is a little bit newer, has you, have you had any kind of exciting moments that were sort of unexpected that you're like, whoa, okay, we're on a roll now? Yeah, I, um, I feel like actually the whole thing has been oh. like that, just like rolling with the punches and every, you know, every month something like a new opportunity presents itself for something that I worked really hard on. Now I'm seeing like, oh, that was all the benefit of the hard work, but specifically, um, cotton and steel, um, used two of my patterns, the same double pattern and the dusk to dawn pattern, um, in their lookbook for last fall, 2017, market and they asked me if they could use the illustrator files for mock-ups because a lot of companies will mock up what their new fabrics would look like and you know different quotes Mm -hmm. and that alone was like oh my gosh you guys even care about me like this is my fourth pattern it's only been a few months since I released any so that alone was a high Mm -hmm. and then when market came around and I'm stalking everyone's Instagram story that's there um, I see uh, I think it was quilters candy box I see her pan and I shriek. I'm ironing and I shriek and I like drop my phone on the ironing board and I start crying. And my husband's like, are you okay? What's going on? And then I'm laughing and he's like, yeah, okay. You're having a mental breakdown. And um, it's because I saw they had actually made two, they made um, their lawn quilts um, collection of fabric. They made using my seam double pattern. And then for the Amalfi line, the rifle paper co line that's just Mm -hmm. now in stores, they used dusted on and I had no idea they were actually making any of the samples. And so that was like totally blew my mind. <laughs> that, that is so fun. It's so fun because you didn't know. You just happened upon right. it. <laughs> yes. It was like the shock of a lifetime, but it has been so fun. They have cotton and steel. The original founding designers have been amazing to me. Yeah, they are in a wonderful group of people. I love them all so much. I know they've gone; they're going on to work on other things now. But they mm-hmm. are—they are fabulous design team, yes. individual designers as well. So, but let's um, tell me. You know, you you like to do things that go a little bit quicker. Um, you know, basically, you said <laughs> I'm an impatient person, which you know, I can raise my mm-hmm. hand and, and go with that. <laughs> we have a couple minutes. Tell me how being impatient actually is to your advantage. Yeah, so I think being impatient lends itself to the fact that, one, I myself am a newer sewer. You know, I didn't grow up sewing all the time. Um, And so 
naturally I want to make quilts or patterns that I can make and I can make quickly so that I can move on to the next project. And so that is very much my inspiration is, okay, does this look modern? Is this a new riff on a traditional block or pattern? And then can I get this done with also my almost four-year-old running around the house? (laughs) And so those are kind of like my guidelines. And so I think that has actually really helped me because not only can a beginner make almost all of my quilt patterns and I think make them decently fast so they don't get discouraged, you know, taking on this really large project and all these intricate piecing, tons of trimming. Um, And then also it can appeal to someone who's been sewing for a long time, but maybe they just finished a project that took forever. And now they're like, oh, I just want something fun and fast. And they can use my pattern. So I think that has actually led um, to a lot of my success is the fact that a good chunk of my patterns are a lot speedier. And it's, you are so right on the spot with people who do a complex pattern, uh, wanting something that can be a little bit quicker just for the, mm-hmm. satis- the satisfaction of it because you don't right. really have to think so hard for everything and take, you know, years. <laughs> just have right. pretty fabric you want to play with. <laughs> Right. Yeah, I like how you said earlier too, Megan, that um, you know a new fabric line comes out, and you're like, "What can I make with this?" Well, your designs are really wonderful for that because they're, um, you know, have a lot of ways that you could could do that with new fabric lines. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Fabric turnover is so fast, and so I like being able to just keep creating. Yeah. So tell me, we have uh, probably about 30 seconds, but what is your um, pattern that is one that you'd recommend to somebody just trying your patterns out? Um, so my two quickest finished patterns would be Seeing Double and Sidewalk Chalk. And those are both very, very fast, very simple. Um, the Seeing Double is actually taught as a beginning quilt class at a local quilt store here in Portland, Modern Domestic. Um, and then I actually am going to have a new quilt pattern out at the end of this month called Meadowland, and that is super versatile and also would be a really quick finish for beginners. And it's fat quarter friendly, half yard friendly, scrappy. So it's all the options. Option, Megan, this has been wonderful. Thank you for chatting. our listeners love a good deal. We have a special offer just for our podcast listeners. Get 50% off a downloadable pattern of your choice in our online shop. Visit apqshop.com, add a digital pattern to your cart, and enter coupon code podcast at checkout. Then get quilting. Visit our show notes for more details. We've been doing the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast since 2011. That's a lot of shows. Search for guests, listen to past episodes, and read quotes from the show on our website. You'll even find a special welcome video from our host, Pat Sloan. Visit us at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast.
Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan, and I have my buddy, Roseanne Kermis from Rosebud's Cottage here, designer, author, uh, all-around amazing person. Hi, Roseanne. Hey, Pat. How are you today? <laughs> I'm good. You know, whenever, whenever you come on, it's fun because we know each other so well, and we usually pick a topic. We usually pick something that we can kind of go deep into, and uh, you and I were discussing books. Uh, we both are just uh, have a love affair with uh, the physical book. Um, Digital books are amazing, and they're a great option, but we both like to actually hold one in our hands. Um, what made you start thinking about that? Um, I, I see so much stuff lately on, uh, you know, digital downloads, and it, with craft books, I just can't quite get my head around it, when I, especially because I might need a shape or whatever, and I don't always have... Um, the ability to print with my tablet, so mm-hmm. I tend to go toward books. And you know, I I I love books. I love the feel of books. I like how they smell when you open them. I I, I like working using a book to work with. So mm-hmm. I think that's where you and I got on that conversation about is why we love to buy books. And um, you know, do you have a, like a whole bookshelf of your quote books? I mean, how do you handle them? Um, I have. I've had, I had the good fortune of um, getting all of my mom's quilt books. So mm-hmm. here in my workshop in, in my downtown area, um, I have a nice big bookcase that's built in, and all of my mom's books are here. Um, but then at home, I have uh, another bookshelf in our guest room, and that I have, like, specialty kind of books, like the, the quilting books that are kind of coffee table kind of books. Mm-hmm. I have more of that there. Where I work, I have these practical books that my mother loved. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of books are, are timeless, and I think that's one of the reasons I like to to buy books is because fifty years later, the content is still there. Um, I may have a new device in fifty years. Uh, will I still be able to have access to to those those things that kind of spur creativity for me? You know, when you, um, I've seen you look through your mom's books and share it, like on your Instagram and, and like some of your Facebook groups. I've seen that, and it's just, it's so like, it makes your, like, your heart skip. It's like, ooh, you know, this is something mm-hmm. your mom loved so much that she bought it. You know, that was their only option then. Um, but when you open it, what's it feel like? When I open her books or new books? Yeah, uh, her books. Her books? Um, I feel really connected to her and especially well, one of her books um the patchwork quilt in america or the romance of the patchwork quilt in america I, I think a lot of people have seen this book i have her copy and inside in her handwriting are little notes that she tucked into pages with uh passages that she liked or, or a quilt project and things um so that's one and that one i like it because i have her little notes but the other one that she loved and I loved, and I guess this one has notes in it as well, is the 101 Patrick Patterns by Ruby McKim. I think this one has been reprinted now, and um, I like it because I know that she made some of the um, the clips out of here, the, the clip blocks and things, and so this one also has little little notes, but I like it because it's a, a throwback book from like the 1940s, I think, mm-hmm. and it's, it's charming. It has pretty graphics. Um, but it also is, is an inspiration because it's a block book. So mm-hmm. these are, those are two of my favorites, and I always have them. 
out easily to reach. They're actually sitting on a chair right here yeah. um, where I see them every day. You know, the one of the things people uh, have to do, because a lot of people do not actually live where they can get to a quilt shop. You know, they don't have them in mm-hmm. their town. They, they're far away. So they're looking at books online to try to determine if they want to purchase them. And there are yeah. things, there are places like our the publisher, our publisher is Martingale. You can see the inside of the book. But tell me a few things for people to look at when they're looking to select a book to purchase. Okay, so it's going to happen. You can go to your public library as well um, oh, because they're true. a great resource yeah. for, for books, you know. Um, but when I'm in a, at a quilt shop looking at books, I like to um, pick up the book first. And, and there's something about the, the heft of the book. Mm-hmm. I just got, I just happen to have old scraps sitting here. Um, mm-hmm. I like, I like the cover. I like, I like oh, yeah, how the cover Oh, yeah, that's Lisa feels. Alexander's book, Old Scraps, right? Yes. It's a, be- it's a beautiful book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is like one of my my favorite newest books. Um, but I like I like to just hold it for a minute, feel the heft of the book, and feel the cover weight. Mm-hmm. And I like to see like what is on the front. Is there like a beautiful project on the front? But then um, I like to turn it over and see what's on the back to see if are, are there other projects that kind of entice me. Um, in in this particular book. They tell a little bit about Lisa Alexander and how long she's been using scrap, you know, making scrap quilts. And so that kind of intrigued me as well. You know, and of course, on the back of the book is always the price. Mm-hmm. Um, so that always is kind of a, you know, it's nice to know before I open the pages and fall in love with it how much I'm going to spend for this book. Right. <laughs> What's my budget? Yeah. That's, yeah. And I can increase I, my I just, budget. I, yeah. I, you know, I like to look at, like, the fonts and stuff, um, you know, I have like I have like the Quilters Journal that was from Elisa Bonjean. It has a totally different look because the font of the title is different. And then also, um, I have the Kathy Brown's Wool Minis, the smaller book. Mm-hmm. But uh, there again, the the font is different. And the fonts I think are the things that kind of entice me too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it kind of sets me up for what the book is going to be like. Yeah, it is a personality thing, the type of yeah. the, of lettering um, and even the wording of the titles. They kind of – some of them, like your your book is, uh, what, a little something? A little something. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the title is so good. It's like I yeah. love it. You know, it makes you think, okay, well, what's in there? <laughs> it's like – Yeah, and they're all a little, a little something, a little, a little something to make. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the taglines too that they put on the cover because that uh, kind of entices you too. On old scrap, it's fabulous quilts that make the most of your stash. And if if you're a stash quilter, that that's going to appeal to you right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is uh, the taglines. It's, it's they're they do add to your uh, sort of anticipation, right? Of Mm-hmm. What's going to be inside? So when you're inside a book, what are the things that I would say I'll use the word impress? What What are the things that impress you enough to make a purchase? Um, first off, I think it's it's how many projects are included, um, and, and and kind of like with that, it's the ratio of projects to how many pages. Um, if it's a thick book and only has five pa- or yeah five projects, I may not look at that. But if it's a, a book that's I don't know maybe I don't know, 60, 70, 80 pages long, and it's filled with projects, then it starts to uh, become more appealing to me because there's other opportunities in there. Um, I also like I like books that have a variety of project sizes, so maybe I'm not going to make the main quilt, but I like some of the 
additional smaller projects, mm-hmm. um, those kind of, you know, because, you know, sometimes I don't have time or don't want to make a big quilt, but I want to make something out of the book. So I look for that. Um, let's see, what else? Another thing I, I like look to find, oh, oh, one of the things I look for is there like, if there's even just one project that I'm like, I want to yes. make that, whether I'll ever make it or not, but it's like that I want to make, you know, I get the book knowing it, that there's probably other things in there too. Well, it sets up the, that one project sets up the desire to have the book mm-hmm. and, and to own it. Um, I think the other thing that I like is to look at an overview of the projects. I like to see if there's some um, good uh, close-up photos of like the techniques or if maybe uh, quilting, um, you know, what they've done for quilting, just because I want to have that inspire me. Um, and the, the other thing that I love, because I like to know stuff, I like, I like to look and see if they're uh, like the tip boxes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know like in your books, they're kind of set out aside mm-hmm. um, in different areas where, you know, you can kind of just stop, read that, and, and think, like, huh, I could use that tip for my other project that I'm working on. It doesn't necessarily have to be this book. Right. And that's one of the things I like about the tips. Now, there is, um, I want to be sure we, we talk about this, so I, I don't want to forget it, but there's a new book coming out that you have a project in um, called Fat Quarter Favorites. Fat Quarter Favorites. Yes. Mm-hmm. Tell me, just tell me what's going on with that book, because it's a, collabor- a collaboration book with a lot of different designers. Yes, it was, it was uh, put together by one of the Martingale editors, and they uh, contacted some of us and asked if we had uh, a fat quarter project that we could put uh, put toward that book. So everything had to be made made out of fat quarters. Um, I struggle with making projects out of just fat quarters. Yeah. Especially um, like the one I did is I think it's like forty inches, mm-hmm. um, and it's I, I like to have my things kind of coordinated. Mm-hmm. And when I'm not using yardage, it's a it was it was a challenge, but. Um, Fussy pants. It's, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to actually see it in the book now mm-hmm. because I haven't seen it for a while, and it's interesting to me what jumps out of it now that didn't jump out before. Like mine has little um, half-square triangles that go out into the border to extend the design, mm-hmm. and so part of the border has those cut into them, and it's like I had forgotten about that. But I, I liked how now how they draw my eye back into the, the main part of the quilt. So, um, so that's when I talk about the photos in the book. That's the kind of thing I mean is I want to see um, those photos that give me a, a a different viewpoint, different glimpse into a project. And I know if you look at a quilt, sometimes you see something one time, sometimes you see something another time, mm-hmm. and that's what's nice about the photos. And the collaborative books like this one, Martingale has done a lot of them, uh, and they, uh, you know, so they feature a lot of different designers' projects, and they're set up a little bit differently than like Lisa's O Scrap or like your your book, where mm-hmm. the projects are all super coordinated, you know, in as much as scrap quilts could be. I mean, they're cohesive when you go like, yeah, that's the same designer. Whereas these, um, you get to have a variety of looks in one book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it and it um, gets you to start thinking about. Uh, how di- you know the different colors a uh, designer in a collaborative book like that uses colors that you're maybe not used to but and and the book still has some cohesion to it but it gives you different mm-hmm. viewpoints 
Um, you know, whereas if you look at like old scrap or a little something, you can tell all those projects are mine. And right. each project kind of feeds into the next one. Now, when we think about books, too, like you have the Teach Me series, which mm-hmm. have a totally different uh, aspect. Mm-hmm. Different feel because all the projects are to yeah. teach a technique. And so there's a yeah. whole bunch of, like, classroom stuff first with step outs and, mm-hmm. you know, photo step outs. Um, so we have like about a minute, Roseanne. Um, oh, what's, I know, I know. <laughs> what is one other, you know, what is one book you're kind of looking at lately? You know, you mentioned uh, Lisa's with the scraps. Is there another one? Um, oh, you caught me off guard. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Well, you know, I, I, loved, I love Kim Deal. In fact, I have, a, I don't know if how old or new this one is. I have a whole pile of books here. Stitches <laughs> <laughs> um, from, the Har- from the Harvest by uh, Kathy Schmitz. That's one, one book I love because I love Stitch. And then The Simple Harvest by uh, Kim Deal. That was the last one of hers that I purchased. And both um, of those I like amazing photography. So they, they do. The photography are incredible. Yeah, it, they're, yeah they're, they're beautiful. And, you know, they're, both of these two are are books that you know, as soon as you see it, you know who that the designer right. is. Right. Um, well, Roseanne, too, when I, when I, okay, are we done? Time, we're <laughs> out of time. Thank you. <laughs> Great. Talk to you again, Pat. Okay. This is American Patrick and Quilting's podcast. I'm Pat Sloan. Visit me at my Facebook group, Quilt Along with Pat Sloan, and we'll see you next time. Hi all, and thanks for listening. If you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week. Thanks for listening. Keep in touch. American Patchwork and Quilting is on Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram at All People Quilt. Email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com. Resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast. And if you love the American Patchwork and Quilting podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free. And don't forget to rate and review the show. It helps other quilters find us. Have a creative week.